Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Ready to cut through the BS and hear some ways to drive your business forward today? Yeah. Welcome, Welcome to Biz Sprints Podcast with your host, know the name. Michael McMillan. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Biz Sprints. This is Michael McMillan, and thank you so much for coming back for another week of tips and tricks to help drive your business forward. Well, guys, this week, I am going to take this podcast uh, a little different way. It's uh, not going to be so much any tips and tricks this week. Instead, I wanted to share with you guys my story of how I came to find myself in the sales. And the reason I wanted to share this story with you is because I've, I've actually been asked to share this story a ton of times, and, I, and I've shared this with people around the world. And what I've found is from the feedback I've gotten is that so many people have been able to discover themselves through my story. And I felt it was just time to really offer this story here on my podcast. So some of you guys can actually take from it and understand that no matter where you are today, sales can provide you a vehicle to get where you want to be tomorrow. And I thought I would share with you guys how I leveraged that vehicle to get to where I am today and the amazing journey I've had. So for me, my sales career actually, funny enough, actually starts when I was very young. And a lot of this is because I am actually, oddly enough, I'm actually a second generation salesperson. Like so many people I know who are out there, you know, for me, my mother was a salesperson and she is the most true blue salesperson you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, this woman, you know, when they say you, any, someone who could sell ice to Eskimos, you know, I think she could actually get them to even short ice you know, if she wanted them to. I mean, this she is far and beyond the most amazing salesperson I've ever known in my life. And I think a, a much big reason for why I ended up coming to find myself in sales. You know, but for me, the first place I ended up actually selling and where my whole story began, I was actually f- like about four or five years old. And the story goes basically is that how my mother always tells people about this is that I was four or five and I came into the house asking my mother for some money for my friends and I to go to the candy store down the street. And at that point, I don't know, I was probably just being a little cretin or something. And my mother said, no, Uh, she said, no, Mike, you don't need any candy. Um, I'm not giving you any money to go to the candy store. And so I left obviously upset, you know, from the kitchen or where my mother was. And on my way out, though, I grabbed a box of Ritz crackers <laughs> and I had proceeded to leave the house and start going door to door selling people Ritz crackers. One for a quarter, two for 50 cents. I had not learned the magic of, uh, you know, lowering my price for quantity. I just figured if you want to, you spend 50 cents. And I went door to door to door selling Ritz crackers individually out of the package. Nothing special. That's all I did. And shortly after, unbeknownst to me, one of the neighbors calls my mother and says to her, she says, uh, Janet, is everything okay over there? She said, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Why? And he goes, well, is that, are you sure? I mean, every, you know, money's okay and everything. And of course, at this point, my mother's getting a little perturbed and she's like, yes, like, why? You know, why are you asking me this? And he tells her, he goes, well, I don't know if you realize this, but, you know, Mike's walking around the neighborhood selling Ritz crackers, one for a quarter or two for 50 cents. 
<laughs> and obviously my mother drops the phone because this is back, of course, in the 80s when we saw it all had house phones, drops the phone, runs out of the house, finds me in the neighborhood, scoops me up and <laughs> reading me the riot act of how can you possibly be doing this? You're embarrassing me and blah, blah, blah. But I had I had gotten my first glimpse into selling and the ability to be able to take anything and be able to give it value through simply going to do what so no one else would be willing to do you know and for me i was selling myself at that point you know i remember specifically like you know i think i was in like you know shorts and a t-shirt when I asked my mom for that money for candy and when she said no I went up into my room and I got like this cute little sailor outfit I had that she had bought me and wanted to dress me into for some unbeknownst reason to me and that's what I wore and went door to door because now I'm suddenly this cute little kid selling crackers door to door and who doesn't want to buy crackers from a little cute kid I mean come on and that was my first experience with sales and you know, for me, it was, it's so funny looking back on that, you know, because now I, I tell that to people and they just, they're like, wow, like, man, you've been doing this forever. But what's interesting is, is from there, you know, my sales story takes a very interesting turn. You know, I had, I had done other very entrepreneurial things, you know, was, you know, I'd done the whole newspaper boy route and, you know, got it over to someone else to do and collected the money where they just delivered the papers and got the checks and all those kind of things. And, you know, even sold different stuff inside of high school and everything. But really, I, my sales story didn't pick back up, though, until I was in college. And now, mind you, I, you know, as being a second generational salesperson, I, of course, went to college for computer engineering and theory, computer science, because that's what was the logical thing to do. (laughs) And, you know, I was I'm in college, you know, going for computers. And I'm still, to be honest with you, I'm still a total nerd at heart. If you guys ever get a chance to really talk with me and, and really get a time to spend some time with me, you'll really notice that, like, you know, technology and computers are anything technology, really. That's 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 really where you know my heart has always been there. But in college, you know, I was typical kid. You know, I mean, I was, you know, I'm at college away from my folks and, you know, and I was partying it up, man. I've always been kind of a party boy and I love to go out and have a good time. And, you know, my mother calls me one time, uh, one day, finally, and I'll never forget the phone call. She calls me on my cell phone. She says, Mike, I'm done supporting your partying. And um, I remember asking, I'm like, mom, what do you mean? (laughs) And she says, you're cut off. You're done. No more money. We're done. And it was really that kind of like, oh shit moment of like, oh my God, what do I do now? Like I had like no money in my bank account. You know, I had rent due. I had bills to pay. I had, you know, it's like Wednesday. So I knew I had Friday night coming up, (laughs) all the important things. Right. And I, I had to make a decision quickly. So I, of course, like anything, just decided to go get the first job of anyone who had offered me a job. <laughs> and I was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time. And the job I got was with this uh, store uh, called H.H. Craig. 
Um, HH Gregg, for those of you who are not familiar with it, think of this kind of like a smaller Best Buy, right? They sell TVs and radios, et cetera. And they hired me to sell TVs and radios to people inside the store. And I was a really like a commission-only salesperson. It was a draw to where basically they paid me a quasi-salary, but it was a draw against the commissions I was earning. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. It's a check, right? It's a paycheck. And, you know, maybe I can do this sales thing. So I, I go there and I start selling for H.H. Gregg. And oddly enough, it was so funny because I remember when I took the job, yeah, I didn't really, I was like, okay, you know, I remember, I, I, I think I'm going to be good at the sales thing. And right away, all of a sudden, instantly, I, I started catching myself like getting sales. You know, I mean, like people were coming in, I was talking with them and pretty much every customer was coming in buying something from me. And I quickly started realizing like, I had the ability to help educate them. And a lot of it was because I you know, was such a persistent student of knowing my product that I was selling. Because every day I would go home and I would read through the different product catalogs of the manufacturers that was bringing the product in and just studying them and looking through our comp plan and studying the comp plan and knowing where our bonus structure was and what was I getting extra compensation on. And, and those were the products I was pushing and moving customers into, especially if they were for the best interest of the client. And you know, telling people about our store and where it was located because so many didn't even realize where we were and what we did. And next thing I knew, you know, it was a month and a half later, I was one of the top producing salespeople in the store. And, you know, and it was just through steady hustle and moving. And from there, you know, this was now, this was like second semester. So, you know, it's coming into uh, end of second semester. And I, I went back home to Chicago at the time and just telling my mom about like, you know, hey, yes, things are going well. I'm making money. I'm, you know, it's actually going really well and it's been exciting. And my mother sh- lays on me. She's like, well, you know, Mike, why don't you maybe come home for the summer? My, my mother at the time owned a call center. And she goes, why don't you come home and sell for the family call center, make some real money before you go back to college in the fall? And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe that's a cool thing. You know, I could totally make a lot more money selling for you. And the sales thing seems to be kind of cool and working really well. So, and I could see all my friends and my girlfriend at the time who's still living in Chicago. And I'm like, yeah, totally, let's, let's do this thing. So I went back to Chicago and started selling for my mother and almost instantaneously was outselling both of our current salespeople within like a few weeks of starting on the job. Shortly after was becoming the fastest, you know, that was the top producer month over month over month. And come fall, it was time to go back to college. I was like, ah, screw this. I'm making real money and (laughs) decided to keep going with it, you know, and it was really when I found my path. And, you know, it was interesting though, is that now you have to understand I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing inside sales at the time, you know, for my mother's company, but there was an outside component to it as well. You know, I was taking meetings with larger clients and starting to go see larger clients and doing presentations. And for me at the time, that was not an easy thing to deal with because if you see me today, I mean, you'll notice, I mean, I, I, I still struggle with my weight as most Americans do, right? We do our best to you know work out and keep in shape, but it, it used to be a major problem for me. And a lot of people don't understand is that at this pivot in my life, when I was discovering myself in sales, I was actually struggling severely with obesity. And at that time, I was tipping the scales at actually my heaviest weight I ever was, which was about 410 pounds. So to say I was a big boy is a pretty big understatement. And, you know, so 
you know, I'm a big sales boy, you know, just do big boy, just doing sales as best I can and hustling along and going to these meetings and doing what I can do. But it was something I was, you know, really, really struggling with at the time. But luckily, you know, my sales were never impacted by it. And, you know, for me, it was one of those things where I, I, I learned quickly at that point, which was, you know, it was my passion and my focus on my craft and, you know, on sales that was allowing me to see the success that I was seeing. You know, while going through that, you know, I was, you know, really finding myself and what I wanted to be. You know, and luckily for me, you know, at that time too, besides my mother and my dad, who are you know, two of my greatest mentors, I had gotten introduced to another gentleman. His name is Jack Daly. And I, I know I speak about him pretty regularly on this podcast. I met Jack uh, randomly at a conference. This has got to be almost like 11 years ago now. And Jack was speaking. And it was funny, as I remember being at this you know, workshop, and it was like, you know, he was speaking directly to me what he was educating us on. And I was so taken by him. I, you know, went up to him after I have this I have this picture of us from back in the days. So if you really want to see how big of a boy I was, I'll I'll make sure I include it here with this podcast so you can see a picture of Jack and I from all those years ago. And I remember introducing myself from him. And at that point, I kind of realized, I'm like, yeah, you know, this is going to be a guy who I, I need to keep in touch with. And I'll tell you, you know, all these years later now, you know, Jack and I still stay in touch. And, you know, I still talk with him regularly. This was about a year later after I met Jack. I had put out there that I was like, you know, it's time for me to get my weight down. Now, this was August of, I think, 2009. I had put out a post on Facebook that I was it was time for me to get my weight under control. And I was like, I had, you know, like I said, I was tipping the scales just over 410 pounds and it was time. I told everyone about it. My plan was, is that 2010, I was going to run the Chicago triathlon, the sprint, you know, nothing crazy. I was going to do the Olympic at that point, but I was going to run the sprint triathlon and I was going to give myself a year to prepare for this. And over the course of the next year, I was going to train for this thing. And you know, my inspiration from this came from Jack. You know, if, uh, if you don't know Jack Daly's story, I would strongly suggest you check him out. Uh, just go to his website, jackdaily.net. You can read all about him. He's an amazing, amazing human being. Seriously, one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. And, you know, so he really inspired me to take triathlon as my destination to fix my weight. So over the next year, while working still, right? I started tackling my weight. And at the time too, there was another thing going on in my, my professional life, which was my mother had actually elected to sell her organization to me. And I took on a partner to do so and buying my mother's company at this time too. And now mind you, I'm only in my twenties doing all this. I have no idea what's going on here, but you know, I'm now all of a sudden going to be you know, with her help running this organization, you know, she was going to still stay in leadership control, but the actual ownership of the business was going to be converting over to myself. And, you know, the company was going through some struggles at the time, but it, and it was making sense to do this from a, you know, from a, from an ownership perspective. And so I'm going through my weight loss, you know, story, and I'm also going through this ownership thing and, you know, really trying to find myself in, you know, this kind of crazy place called business. And, you know, over the next year, I, you know, I had some ups and downs, ups and downs, but I was able to lose just a, actually exactly a hundred pounds. And in August of 2010, I crossed the finish line of my first ever triathlon. And the reason I mentioned Jack there was because at that finish line was Jack. He had actually flown out from California 
for the sole purpose of running my first triathlon with me. It's a big reason why Jack to this day still has a has a near and dear place in my heart. I mean that that you know it's it's one of those things where you know there's some people who say they'll be there and help you along the way, and then there's those who actually do it. Jack was one of those people who actually did it for me, and really helped set the tone for my weight loss story to really help me tackle a huge you know, a huge burden in my uh, career, even uh, both personally and professionally. You know, I mean, I was destroying my health and, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm going to just tell it straight out, which is that, you know, weight impacts and the way you look does impact your ability to sell for a company. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm living proof of it. You know, I noticed, you know, the second I started getting my weight under control, my ability to sell increased tremendously. My numbers went up drastically. And I'm not saying you have to be skinny because I'm still not skinny. I mean, I'm still, you know, I, I guess statistically I'm still overweight, but you know, I, I work on it and you know, I, I do my best to keep my weight down. But you know, I will tell you, man, was when I got off that, you know, when I got under 300 pounds, man, I, I quickly started seeing my sales numbers increase. And a lot of it was because it's not that I never had the hustle and drive and passion, man. No, trust me, I'd work 80 hours a week if I could, right? It's I had the energy like another level. And that energy just drove me to this new place that was just amazing. And just so much, just incredible to what it did for my sales results. And I'll tell you, is looking back on that, it's definitely a pivotal moment, you know, for my career of tackling my weight and proving, I guess, to myself that I could do it. You know, from there, and at that moment, you know, there's some other things that transpired in between, you know, professionally, our company took some interesting ups and downs and all arounds, um, but we grew and we grew tremendously. I, I was leading the sales team and, you know, I was really discovering myself through sales and was able to help lead our organization to three consecutive Inc. 500 placements, you know, right in a row. And it was a great achievement that, you know, my family and I were able to uh, celebrate tremendously. And it was such a great, great time. And, at, and it was so such a good, tremendous time that we ended up getting ourselves to a place to where we finally then needed to sell off the organization. We sold the organization. This is, I was about, I think I was like 28, 29 years old when we finally sold the company off to a third party, got out of the organization. I first tried thinking that I was being brilliant and going over to the organization who was purchasing us. I lasted about, I think, all of three weeks and realized that does not work well and uh, needed to make another pivot. And a recruiter calls me and he goes, hey, uh, there's a gentleman up in Minneapolis who is looking for a salesperson to come in and I think you'd be a great fit and I'd like you to go meet him, uh, which started far and beyond uh, the most critical part of my career, which is the introduction to Fred Wiener and a company called The Connection. Call in that meeting is to this day really what has set the tone for the rest of my career. Fred and the connection was far and beyond um, one of the best things that ever happened to my career. When I went up to Minneapolis, I instantly knew this is a place that I can make a huge impact. Um, and I knew it was going to be a place that I could really spread my wings and do some amazing things for. And Fred had the belief and trust to be able to help mentor me to get me where he needed me to be able to do just that. So at 29 years old, I uh, moved my wife and I up to Minneapolis from Chicago and take this job uh, as director of sales for The Connection. 
And now the funny part is, is as I walk into this organization, I think it was about 45, maybe 60 days after starting with the company, they ended up receiving notice from their single largest client who made up like over 50% of their business that the company was leaving them. And, you know, where I was originally, you know, put under the impression of like, okay, Mike, you'll have some time, you know, get your pipeline built, get yourself going, you know, and then all of a sudden I get the meeting of like, okay, time to produce right now. <laughs> and um, it was good though. It was, it was a good, you know, good push and good shove. And, you know, I worked my butt off and, you know, but at the end of the first year there, it was amazing. You know, I was, I was kind of down, you know, kind of beat myself up, like, you know, cause I had, I had really wasn't totally up to speed on kind of who I was selling to for the first few months I was there. And then I caught it. And man, when I caught it, I caught it big. And I ended up closing two accounts back to back in my first year, like right near the right near the end of my first year, and ended up becoming two of the largest clients in in the connection, and ended up closing the year as one of the top producing salespeople. And year two similarly just repeated that, and year three again, and a lot of it was just you know really discovering myself and promoting myself up into the ranks. Then from you know being a frontline salesperson to becoming the VP of sales and marketing at the organization, and really leading a charge to changing the organization and the way we were selling and what we were selling, how we were selling it, what we were doing, and how the organization was structuring itself to be sold and it was just a really great time and i will tell you is you know and i really was able to find to this day what i will still always proclaim is one of my greatest professional leadership mentors in, in fred really showing me how to become a real leader in myself and along the way, you know, so much stuff was changing for me personally still, you know, still working through my weight story and still working through that. But in addition to that, you know, when we moved to Minneapolis, my wife and I actually, my wife got pregnant uh, with our first child, Kaylin. And it really changed so much for me at that time. You know, up until that time, I was able to be very, very, I guess you could almost say selfish and, you know, and just really focusing in on Steph and I, uh, my wife, Stephanie and I, and, you know, doing kind of what was just best for us. And when my daughter was born, things really shifted. And it was funny is, is that I, th I think back on it now as I'm doing this podcast and just thinking that like, you know, I remember too, my sales, you know, actually going up because of it too. It's like, you know, you kind of have this like, oh crap, I have another human being who's I'm responsible for. Holy now, like, okay, need to step this up. And it really kicked me into high gear again. And, you know, really was able to do some crazy things with that. The next, you know, and then it, that it was a cool ride, man, for like almost four and a half, five years. And, you know, then my wife got pregnant again with our second daughter, Quinn. And, you know, at that time, I was starting to get to this place, though, that, you know, I had accomplished so much at the connection. And I, I realized it was it was time, though, for me to start taking the next step in my career. You know, I, I had I had reached, you know, I, I felt like I'd almost reached the sun, you know, at where I was at. And I, I was ready for the next step. And for me, I knew the next logical step was going to be into business leadership, you know, into like a CEO president's role or something like that. But I felt before I did that and before I started going into that ownership type of role again and to really make sure I gave it the homage it was due, I wanted to go take an operational role one more time and really prove to myself that what I did and what I knew was correct. So... 
As luck would have it, I um, ran into a couple guys I knew, Jade and Jonathan, who run an awesome, awesome company here in San Diego called Frag Mob. And they offered and approached me and offered me a position as the vice president of customer experience for the company, overseeing sales, marketing, and account management for the business. And, you know, it was just good timing. And, you know, my wife and I were in a place to where it's like, okay, you know, this could work. And so we pack up the kids, pack up the family, sold the house we just built 12 months prior and move ourselves here to San Diego. And over the next two years, spent two amazing years in a startup environment, you know, coming out of a big company like The Connection, you know, with hundreds, actually, you know, over thousands of employees. It's a huge cultural shift to say the least, you know, and, but it was amazing. You know, for me, it was what was needed at the time to help me discover another part of myself that I never even realized was there and to really help me find another part of my leadership abilities that I needed to find. And, you know, I rode that, we did that ride for like two years. It was an amazing ride, had a ton of fun helping build this company up, get them structured, get them set up for great success. And, you know, earning some good equity along the way, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, and then at that point, I, I'd reached a point where I knew it was time. It was now time for me to spread my wings and do my own thing. And that is where I came to find BizPrints. And, you know, my my simple goal from there was because while I was at FragMob, I discovered a big, big critical piece for myself which was what my ultimate passion was. You know, for years, I thought what my drive was, was money. Um, I really thought it was, you know, the, the numbers in a bank account or the numbers on a check or whatever. And I had the opportunity to, you know, to really see some massive amounts of money come my way. You know, I saw the six-figure check. I saw what that felt like. I, I experienced that deposit. You know, I, I seen that. And I remember it was just kind of an empty feeling. You know, it wasn't really anything to me. What really ended up being, though, was watching people under my leadership achieve it and seeing them change their stars and seeing them really reach their true full potential. And when I realized that, I noticed like that's what was driving me. That's what was pushing me forward. And that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life was be in a position to where I could help others achieve their full potential, be it in business, personal, whatever. And that's where BizPrints came out of was really helping people achieve their legacy and and do what they needed to do to never become a statistic, as that was always my life's mission since I was a little child. And I mean, and to, you know, kind of circle back all the way to that on a personal note, which is, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people ask me about my life mission statement, which is to never become a statistic. And I thought on this podcast, it'd probably be the best of every uh, any podcast to explain what that is all about. Well, where that comes from is this, is that I didn't have a atypical childhood like most people had, right? Uh, and nowadays, I guess there is no real atypical, I guess you could say. For me, my mother had me very young. She was 17 at the time, not even 18 yet. She was just turning 18. And you know, just in a place you know, in her life to where, you know, her raising me was not going to be that easy as it would be for any 17 year old. Right. And 
When I was growing up, luckily enough for myself and for her, I guess you could say, my real dad, so my real dad ended up just kind of uh, ditching out when I was just being born. For really, I didn't actually really get to know my father until I was about 23, my real dad, a biological dad, as I usually say. But his best friend at the time and his mentor stepped up and said, you know, hey, I let me help out. And his name was John Church. Whenever you guys ever hear me say the word dad, it's usually who I'm referring to. And John approached my mother and said, you know, let me help out. He lived in Homewood, Illinois, in the south suburb of Chicago. It was at the time one of the top five school districts in the United States. He was actually himself a first grade teacher and former principal and just great educator and said, you know, let me help out. You know, I, I have the ability. I have the room. Let me help out. Long story short is I ended up actually going to eventually live with him and he became my legal guardian. And my mother was still, you know, I still saw my mother all the time, but, um, you know, uh, John uh, was really became my father figure in my life and, you know, became that mentor and dad I needed. And I'll never forget, I was about seven years old when it happened when I was in school and teachers were talking about there was this big thing going on around uh, at the time if, if you you got to understand this is you know in the late 80s and this is going down and late 80s almost into going into the 90s right which is there was all this talk about you know the impact of divorced households and key latch kids and blah 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 right this is this is when all this was being talked about in the news constantly and I don't remember exactly how it came up in class, but I think it might have been a student who asked about like, you know, kind of like what is statistics and like kind of what is this? And the teacher, oddly enough, gave these example stats that I, I just these will never leave my mind of basically like how, you know, you know, she's telling and it was just an honest answer, which was like, you know, you know, statistic is, for instance, if you guys are hearing in the news now, you know, like if you come from a divorced household, you know, you're uh, you know, like 40 percent more likely to commit a crime uh, as an adult. If you come from a household where you, know, you, you know, don't have a father figure in your everyday life who is, you know, your biological father figure, you're X amount uh, more likely to use drugs or end up in jail and all this kind of stuff, right? Really some harsh stuff. And this is also during the D.A.R.E. times. If you guys remember D.A.R.E., um, it's uh, the whole cops trying to educate everyone on not using drugs. And they were throwing these stats in our face too. And I remember I hearing all this and I'm listening to all these stats and I'm like the poster child for all these statistics they're talking about, right? Like, you know, like, yeah, I'm not being raised by my mom and dad. Like, you know, my parents never got married. My mother had me young, like all of these things, right? Um, and basically, they're telling me like, I'm like guaranteed that I am going to be a drug addicted person in jail before I'm like 10, right? And you know, I'm seven years old and having this realization. And I remember saying to myself one, one night, I'm like, you know what? You know, I know that's what they're saying, but I refuse to become a statistic. I refuse to become that statistic they're talking about. That's not going to be me. I'm going to be something different. I'm going to use all of this. I'm going to use everything that's been thrown in my face, you know, that I had no control over and that my family even sometimes had no control over. And I'm going to use this to make my life better. And every day since then, since I've been seven years old, every single morning when I wake up in the morning, first thing, the first thought that comes to my brain is, is okay, Mike, get up, get moving, because you can't become a statistic today. And that battle cry um, and that life mission for me um, is really what's been the driving factor in everything that I have become, because the thing that I refuse to do 
is to become a statistic. And so when you guys see that and hear that from me, um, understand that's where it comes from. It comes from a, a very big place in my life, which was I refused to allow what others had set out to define who I would be. And that has really become the, the foundation in which I've built my entire personal and professional career from. Um, and it's, it's, really, it's really important to everything that I do. So guys, the reason I share all this with you, right, and the, and the main thing I wanted you guys to take away from this, though, is to understand that off that last point, no matter where you start in life um, does not need to determine where you're going to end up. You know, where I started, um, statistically, I should really be in jail or on drugs or uh, been divorced 10 times and have kids with seven different women. And, you know, I'm proud to say, uh, you know, my wife and I, this coming September, we'll be celebrating our 10th, 10 year anniversary. We have two very beautiful, healthy children who I love dearly. You know, my wife and I have actually been together for 12 years as of this September, 11 years right now. You know, I don't do drugs. I refuse to do drugs. They scare the shit out of me, to be honest with you. I did smoke for a while. Um, I drink I drink socially. Um, you know, it's uh, I definitely enjoy a good old fashioned with some of my friends. Right. You know, but I, I'm very careful um, with all of that. Did struggle with my weight for a long time, as I shared. But I was able to get that under control and still work on that hard every single day. It's a it's a life challenge that I know I will continue to have to work against. But more importantly is that, too, is that where I was able to find my success was through sales. And why that's important is because one of the things you don't understand is that, you know, as I said, I left college early. Um, I didn't finish. It's important to note that. I've, I've tried, I've gone back a few times to continue on and, you know, try to kick that stone forward. It was a big goal for my father and something I still feel I owe my father to complete one day getting my degree. And I, and I will. I definitely will. I, I, it's, I've changed my focus on it a few times. My passion for education has become massive um, as I've gotten older. You know, I, you know, I was one of the, I was one of those guys though, who, you know, I had to prove myself each and every day because I didn't have the educational pedigree just to walk and get any position I wanted. My abilities was a direct result of my hustle and my drive to do the right thing for the companies I worked for and to make happen what they needed to have made happen. And it's important to note that guys, like don't ever sell yourself short just because you didn't finish college or just because you didn't go to an Ivy League school does not mean you cannot play amongst those people. You just have to find your way in. My way in was through sales and man, through hustle and through persistence, I climbed that ladder kicking and screaming along the way sometimes, but I climbed that ladder all the way to that top rung and I, and I can tell you, you can do it too. It doesn't matter what you have in your background, you can get there. It doesn't matter if you're not, you know, personally fit or look good, feel good, whatever. You can fix that in yourself. You make the choices to be who you want to be in life. It's your decision. It's your simple acts that will allow you to either be a statistic in life or not to be. And it all is up to you. And I will tell you, and as I've told countless others, if you have the want, the way will show itself. But you must have the want and you must have the ability, you know, not just to say ability, but you must have the drive 
to see it through. You must have the willingness to lose it all to get where you want to be in life. And if you don't have that, just understand the statistics are going to then determine where you're going to end in life, but they won't for me. And for those who I who have worked for me, you understand and you've known this about me and you know this about yourselves now, which is statistics are only there for those who are not willing to push against all that is said in front of us and say, no, I will go the other way. So, guys, with all of that, I hope this story can help you. I really do. You know, my my life story is is still going. It's a it's a struggle each and every day. There's been a lot, a lot of things I've had to give up along the way. And there's so many things I've learned and gained along the way. People along the path have been amazing to me. Um, as I mentioned, my dad, John Jers, my mom, Janet Livingston, Jack Daly, Fred Wiener, my amazing, amazing patient, beautiful bride, Stephanie McMillan, my daughters, my princesses, Kaylin and Quinn McMillan, and so many others who've been there along the way, friends, mentors, you know, advisors, so many who I can't even count and you know even bring all to names. But thank you guys all. Thank you for helping me become who I am and helping me now allow to help others to do the same. So guys, till next week, stay strong. Focus on not becoming a statistic. Achieve what you've set out to achieve and you will get there. So to your success and prosperity, my name is Michael McMillan. Thank you so much. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thank you for listening to Biz Sprints Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us at bizsprints.com for more tips and tricks to drive your business forward. No doubt about it. 